0: Hey everyone, welcome to the first podcast for UXperts. I'm Jason, and I'm here joined with my good friend Effie.
1: Hey, this is Effie. Yeah, experts. What we're looking to do is dig into the world of UX, user experience, and the, the higher level, the expertise level of it, and dig into that and also have some fun in the process. Today, you know, what we're really trying to do is just introduce ourselves and kind of look at the question we've both been in this for ages now and in this in this field and looking at what makes us passionate i think why are we still in it after all this time and and uh so i think it's a great way to kick this off because i think knowing what makes us passionate about it also digs into the higher level of what makes ux so cool
0: yeah i think too also thinking forward i mean there's certainly going to be an opportunity for Q and A and getting more in touch with an audience that is hopefully listening to this podcast and understanding kind of their their motivations. You know, I know when I was talking with Effie about doing some kind of this, this kind of format of communication, it really kind of came down to, you know, just looking around the industry and seeing, you know, really all the younger generation or people looking to jump from one career to another. It just seems like UX is uh, big enough for everyone. Um, but really looking at kind of where we came from to be, to begin with, you know, this is something that didn't even really have a job title when we first started, um, in yeah. the design field. And so yeah, that's that, right. that was interesting. That's right. It did not. In fact, I got into it in, in a field called
1: conversion optimization. Have you ever have you heard that one, Jason? No, yeah. I was, yeah. I was a graphic designer. <laughs> well, I was doing websites and uh, SEO was the big thing. I was like, oh, SEO, like I was doing this, uh, I was, I had taken on this huge project for this, this company and, and through search engine optimization, was able to bring them in a ton more money. And I was like, this is incredible. And then I learned about conversion optimization, which was like, oh, getting them to your site is step one, but getting them to quote unquote convert, like getting them to turn into a paying customer is step two. And in in that case where that company was big, big products they couldn't buy online, they had to phone. Yeah. So it was getting them to phone in. And so I started learning those skills and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole science in this thing. You know, it's not just like go with your gut instinct.
0: Yeah. And I, I think to kind of poke fun at myself, I was uh, recently talking with a, a new hire and one of the things that came up, I was lamenting about like early uh, mid to late nineties web design and, and saying like, oh yeah, at the time, like the biggest thing that we could do was create a splash footage. Like somehow you needed um you needed like this magical doorway for people to enter your your website, and I think that's funny because what I just heard you say was, you know, you're doing all this SEO analysis to ultimately get someone to call you on the phone, which is kind of funny because nobody really does that anymore, especially with chat, chat bots chatbots and everything else. Now it's like, what, what can I help you with today? And there's certainly uh, problems there. I, I, but I
1: miss that heyday, man. I, those sites, are those flash sites. It was like you could enter an immersive experience. I mean, they don't do that anymore. I, I miss those days of web design. I don't know if you ever got to do some really crazy flash sites, but.
0: Well, I think anyone who's been doing it for a while, I mean, flash site of the day, I think everybody was running towards. There used to be a company called Macromedia. Oh yeah, that oh yeah. It's pretty much uh, Adobe's portfolio outside of Photoshop at this, at this stage. And you know, they, they were the main ones to be around. But I mean, what, what was your tool set like when you had first started? What were you using?
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, my first job as a desktop publisher was a uh, PageMaker, Adobe PageMaker, and I got hired by a newspaper. They said, "Can you use PageMaker?" I said, "Absolutely, of course." You never say no. And then they said, uh, "Can you can you show up and um, prove it to us in two hours?" I said, "Yes, I can." And I had I had a pirated version of PageMaker that I loaded onto my little Mac. I had I I was good at Illustrator though. I had used Illustrator a lot so. I quickly learned the crossover, showed up. They're like, Man, you're so much better than the last guy we hired. You're in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, the Adobe Suite, that was uh, I used that a ton. But that was back in the day. I mean, things have changed so much since then.
0: Yeah, I think that has to be that was part of the yeah. And and still a huge uh, a huge eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. I I also started too, I think in the late nineties, like coming out of high school, not to date myself too much. But the desktop publishing world, you know, yeah, you had Adobe, you had Corp Express, you had really slow machines that are, you know, all of our phones right now, the device you're listening to this podcast on are, you know, several multiples better. Yeah. And, yeah. and but just the magic of being able to see the screen light up and to put stuff down um, that you could actually see produced uh, yeah. for, for anything was, was pretty awesome. So, you know, for me, I was, you know, probably instantly hooked. Um, growing up in the late '90s, yeah, that,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I ended up knowing that it would be a career for me when people, before I had any formal training at all, right. people were paying me to do their websites
0: and their logos. I was gonna say the minute I got paid for it, I knew it was yeah. For me. Yeah, and hey, you know, I think nowadays I do a lot of stuff for nonprofits and and five hundred one c threes and the things like that, and that is a passion. But yeah, I think number one, realizing. Coming from like a blue collar background that, oh my gosh, someone's going to pay me to do this stuff that I enjoy doing all day. Uh, was, was it like, it was an incident. Yeah. It was an instant drug.
1: Yeah. Now I have, I have my, uh, moment where I knew software was my thing. I'm curious about yours. Do you have a moment where you're like, oh, it's not just websites. It's software.
0: Yeah. I think software overall was really a big deal. And, and, you know, so fast forward. I actually found myself in in Phoenix, Arizona, in the desert, in you know, kind of two thousand five, two thousand six timeframe, and and working for a company where uh, good company. I, I had a good experience there, but I kind of had been pigeonholed into only print design, and so oh, oh yeah, that was a that was a difficult season for for myself. And I remember coming out of that experience, and really, what had happened was all of a sudden, splash pages that I was making fun of myself for earlier. Are gone. yeah, and yeah. you know now people are writing code and they're using something called CSS. And I realized in the span of about a year and a half, I had kind of been antiquated and and lost a ton of skills. and I was not relevant in terms of where I saw the web going. And I think for me, that was kind of the aha moment of like, oh my gosh, like this isn't about a degree or anything else. This is about a lifelong journey. Uh, always learning and always improving, and and always you know understanding how really humans interact with any touch point of technology, which you know today is really inundating everyone. So yeah, I think it was that 2007 mark where I just said, man, I can't, I can't rest. Like it, you know, like I'm not going to learn how to punch a cog and be okay forever. It's got to be ever changing. Yeah. What about you?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you, software is something I've always been kind of geeked out on software. I, but I think, you know, what's interesting is I think of UX as being far more than software. Like my wife, Michelle, was at uh, this, uh, you know, she was down in, I think, Boulder it was. And at, no, it wasn't. boulder. it was somewhere in Colorado, Colorado. Anyway, she was at this uh, this building and there was, she shows up and there's this elevator and there's eight people standing around it because they can't figure out what button to put. I'm like And she shows, she takes a picture. She says, my husband's going to love this. There's three buttons at the top, three. And they all have different things and they all have to do with like calling the the fire for an issue or like, I can't even remember. They're all like non, like they're they're significantly lower priority, but they would call them tertiary or secondary buttons on the top and then the main button to push is gray. So it's like blends in with the background and there's nothing on it. It's just, that's the button. And so somebody had written on a little piece of paper with a ballpoint pen, Push this to use elevator. Rock is <laughs> <laughs> right, nobody's going anywhere at that <laughs> point. And she shows up, and she and everyone else needs glasses to know what to do. Right. And so, like they're like, so she takes a picture and sends it to me. She says, "This is ridiculous. Nobody knows how to use this elevator right. until you put on glasses, and somebody knows to push
0: the bottom gray button because all the other buttons were more flashy. it was yellow and green and red." Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about like how many people actually called the fire department at any one, oh, anywhere, given yeah. time? It's like, hopefully not. Right? I, just, I don't yeah. know. Like, well,
1: they, it it showed that they all stood around and they're just like, they don't know what to do. And they're like, uh, uh, uh. And so she shows up and she's like, okay, hold on, I got glasses and I'll figure it out. Yeah, so sorry. anyway, I, to me, that exact same thing happens in software. And because I love software, I actually got into it. A, a friend of mine, a kind of an acquaintance really, he's, he already made his millions building out a software suite. So he said to me at one point, hey, you want to like get in on this, this new software thing I'm building. I'm like, yeah. Like anyone who's made millions is gonna okay. make, yeah, I'll make millions with him on the next so. one. Turns out he's in, he was a brilliant coder, but you know, not a brilliant businessman, you know, and in those certain respects that were needed for that project. And um, so, I but I came in and that was like, oh yeah, I love this. This is so much fun to see my release in the app store and to like, and to know that like, like, i'm now building software that people are using and they're with and it's not just a, like a website Uh i just count the bug you're right so i did three different startups before finally joining the your the company where i met you uh together at rakiva where we were um working on enterprise level yeah. From, yeah
0: yeah i think it's interesting too because yeah i think the big jump also that's a good point i mean i talked about technology but yeah, the the point of a website being a quote unquote storefront or a magazine ad to like this has a real transactional implication. I mean obviously now you can look back at, you know, two thousand twenty three and go, Well, yeah, most software is running in the cloud. You say two thousand twenty you don't say twenty twenty three? That's
1: like saying one thousand nine hundred and eighty four. think
0: <laughs> <Man>, I <I'm laughs> dated myself a little bit more than I should have, but yeah, I guess two thousand twenty three. Uh <laughs> I think, but <laughs> you think about, you know, the amount of software we run in the browser, it always like blows my mind, whether you know it's real working in fintech or, you know, just huge amounts of data that we're processing. It's no longer, you know, a read only experience it's, you know, see here, do something, get a result, you know, whatever. And it's always on and it's always there. So that was interesting. You brought that up. What, what, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we started was Like major milestones, like those aha moments. And so we talked about, you know, when technology became real, when we, you know, we obviously realized we could make a living at it, which is important if Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to live at home the rest of your life. Um, I mean, yeah. Like what were, what were some other like major cornerstones of how you built your career and and things where you went, like you look and look back now and go, that was like a pivotal moment
1: Mm -hmm. in how
0: I moved forward.
1: Uh, I hinted at it earlier. It was, uh, I'd made a website at this, uh, industrial supply company and they had a, it was a product that I ended up becoming a product owner for, but like, it was, a. um, you know, it was really kind of one of these things where they said, look, turn this around, see what you can do online. And, you know, we don't know anything about them. We need one of those websites. And, and I was like, all right, let me figure this out. And, and, I came in, I did a lot though. I ended up becoming the product owner, as I said. So I ended up rebranding it and, you know, gave it a model number, you know, cause it's industrial. It's like, as soon as people saw 4,300 after it, they're like, oh, this is like the most up-to-date model, yeah. you know? So I did stuff like that. So there was a marketing element, but it was this, as soon as we did, like I created this site and I created specs and stuff, like it, it's, it, and it, specs for the site itself. No specs for the, the, the product. Yeah. Like, so that it felt like something more than what they'd been doing before. You know, it felt like more like a, a real industrial technical product that you're buying. And now that all that stuff was on there. And then I, and then I hired these guys to do some SEO and, and they basically, it was like cheap learning. They taught me how to do SEO Uh and I implemented it and they implemented, we implemented it together on this website and boom, we started like making money hand over fist, like, he started outperforming all of their sales <laughs> as far as like how much money I was right. making for the company month, every month. And they they they're just like, like the boss would come over and like,
0: kiss me. <laughs> yeah. yeah Float tip. It's always a good thing to let your boss know how much money you're bringing in. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's more than they're paying, you <laughs> if, if you can do that during but spot
1: it, you know, and that, that caught me in some ways. Yeah. The yeah.
0: entrepreneurial bug, the business
1: mind yeah. bug to say, wow, I can do good design. I can do certain principles and make significant money for myself or others. Right, And that realization to me just got me excited. I don't know. I get, it's like, I've always loved aesthetics and I always loved technology. And this was like, I can combine my geekiness and my love of aesthetics to make significant money and to make people's lives significantly better. I think that was there was a there was a morph
0: over time. It wasn't just about making money, but making people's life. No, it was impact. Impact. Yeah. Yeah. You were able to impact not only something based on what you enjoyed doing, but also like it drove bottom line. Like there was results. Yeah. All of a sudden, Effie's important. Yeah. What What is he bringing to the table? Oh, well, look at this. He's using technology to like change the scope of business.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Impact, and I still feel passionate about that today. I mean, there's a lot of things that I you know feel passionate about, but like just, just being able to make an impact in, in people's lives that like, I know their lives are better because of what I'm doing, right. That, that feels good at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I think anytime, yeah, whether, you know, you and I have both done speaking in the past too, like, I mean, I think that's probably like an ultimate, you know, being able to deliver any piece of content and have someone say like, oh, I took this and this out of what you had said, or, you know, I used something that you actually built. And you know, it's funny. Uh, anytime I introduce myself to someone, typically a conversation will come up like, "Oh, well, what do you do?" I mean, that's a, that's a pretty natural question. Yeah, and yeah. What do you do? Yeah. And it's like, oh. And in my mind, I just want to say I'm in UX. Yeah. Because I've been, you know, doing it for this long, you know. And and I'll I'll slow down and go. Wait a second. How would I tell someone who has no idea what UX is and go from there? And I think you know, really bringing up the point of. I work in, you know, user experience design, which nine times out of 10 is going to have someone say, well, what is that? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's fairly simple. So think about anything you use or touch on your phone and the experience you have with it. I'm re- ultimately responsible in some capacity, depending on what you're using for, for how that feels Yeah, and, and whether, you know, you're happy. I said, you know, and, and if they, that catches them, I might say something like, tell me a, an application you hate on your phone or tell me an I'm application like, you love yeah yeah and it's like okay well that that's UX and and really take them from there bad UX <laughs> yeah I mean it's always yeah there's always there's always room for you, to...
1: usually not
0: uh well thought through UX yet. yeah see yeah sometimes it's a rush to market and I think I think getting into those topics will be really fun moving forward Oh uh, yeah yeah, I'm uh, to that. Yeah, just today, even talking with someone who's really in a career transition for a new company, and hearing from them, you know, saying, "Well, I, I just really wish we had time to do more research or more discovery or more, you know, prototyping, etc." I think it is uh, a wish that we all shoot for. It.
1: You know, I, that's what I loved about being an entrepreneur in that area. You don't have time for that stuff. You do what you can with what you've got and then you ship and you move forward and you're agile, you're you're lean, you're, you're all those key catch words. But you know, now that I work in an enterprise setting and there's like customers who are paying millions of dollars, you know, you, you can't upset the Apple cart. You can't move the cheese ever. You week. can't you can't move the cheese every feet. You gotta think like, be sensitive to that and you know, there's this element where you are not capable of being truly agile anymore in in an enterprise level company. That said, I think there's ways to keep that spark alive. And that's another, that's another podcast for sure. So, so I'm curious, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned kind of one of my milestones, I probably have a few, but like, what, what would you say is one of your key milestones for you getting into this?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, what, what really stands out for me that i think makes this conversation interesting and, and hearing from others and especially like i'm so energized you know i've had the chance to start intern programs and mentor intern interns and and convert them to full-time employees and just watch them grow and i'd say number one that that is extremely energizing for for myself and just keeping you know passion alive um i think a lot of the programs um around the country are significantly better than maybe when I was looking at going to school. I think the one that stands out to me um I think it was really the the very painful and we'll talk about this at a much later date the painful jump from individual contributor to organizational design. Yeah. I mean that's true. Yeah, going to life one, I can go home at the end of the day and be like here's what I did and I can hold it in my hand and show someone To you know, now I'm responsible for one, two, you know, upwards of tens of people, um, in, in large scale environments and and helping them feel really empowered. Because I think the moment, the aha moment for me was, uh, to, to, you know, overuse the metaphor of, of multiplier, like realizing I can only ever do so much so well by myself, but if I can really empower like people around me to do those things and to, take their mm-hmm. own passions and skills and I can give them some of my lessons learned and they can become better. I can build like really strong teams that are, you know, a force to be reckoned with. So I think that was probably one of the, the major milestones was just, how do I make that jump? And then, and then selfishly like, okay, now that I can't go home at the end of the day and say, here's what I did. Um, you know, where do I get my passion from? Where do I find my sense of, of purpose and, uh, mm-hmm. satisfaction? Cause I think that's why anybody involved in a creative field music of which Effie will talk about at some point. I'm oh, sure I will. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh you know, any type of art or anything that really kind of introduces that creative element to it. I mean, people have to do it. They don't nobody does it because it's labor. People do it because they're passionate about it. And and, you know, I think it's very easy to jump to well, uh, management's just where you get stuck doing TPS reports and yeah. uh you know for me i think having that revelation of no like i'm really helping design better systems and processes to help people do their best work i was like this is a design problem
1: yeah this is a product it is yeah uh it's an interesting uh milestone it is it is after you got into ux that's it is uh it's curious to me i mean obviously it's more recent for you yeah i guess you'd have to think
0: back to what got you originally to ux as a Oh, I think you know, it was the making the money. I mean, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have to, you know, do something I didn't want to do. I mean, I always viewed, uh, you know, honestly, I think even going up through high school and thinking about post-high school education, it was always like, what's the least painful thing that I would have to do in order to be successful? Yeah. And and obviously, you know, remain legal. Um, oh. But, you know, I've been, I think, you know, Uh, I was not a strong student. So, I mean, I think even going into like my senior year and not really having a clear vision of where I was going to head, I was more interested in going to Santa Cruz and and ditching school for most of the day of which I was quite successful in doing that. Um, you know, I did, I did a final, you know, project on, um, on Apple and this is like circa mid nineties. We'll just leave it at that. Uh And, uh, you know, blowing it out of the water and I'm pretty sure to this day is the only reason I graduated high school was I completely you know crushed my my high school uh exit project and I, you know I, and it was it was all work from there and then you know getting a landing a job out of the San Jose Mercury News for ten dollars an hour where I was carrying film back and forth to the printers and and you know being a doorstop for the, the senior designers so you know having a background in agency life was I mean you. You either get it done or you die. I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, agency was pretty cutthroat in the late 90s. So, um, yeah, I just always really enjoyed it. But, yeah, I think, you know, when you think about, like, why still do this? Like, why didn't I become a welder? Like, I could do a bunch of different creative things. Um, I think about those experiences and, you know, after you and I talked about being a little bit farther along in our lives, like those, those major moments. Mm-hmm. those major forks on the road where you're like, oh, it could have went this way or could have went that way. Yeah, I think it was like like looking at the computer and being like, holy crap, this thing will do exactly what I tell it to do uh, was was pretty monumental. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've always, I've always felt like I'm a bit of a geek. and You know, you mentioned, okay, what do people, when you're at a party and people ask what you do, I, i just say oh i geek out on computer stuff and <laughs> stuff, and a lot of times that's all people care about but but you know i think your your analogy too, to say yeah look open your phone well what gets you going like what or what um what are the issues you see you're, i i i raise that kind of thing a lot of times too you know it's like well have you ever used software that that
0: you don't even think about using it because it's just so what do you do? What do you do for work? Yeah. Oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, what's that like? Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What software do you use? They <laughs> name off something, and you're like, eh, not on that team. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, there's all the stuff that your name is responsible for, but you're not proud of it. So,
0: you know, what do you do with that? <laughs> also, a very major, important life lesson: not everything is a portfolio piece. <laughs> Exactly. Plenty of lessons learned. <laughs>
1: Don't put it on portfolio. That's right, that's right. Oh my gosh, I just did a, a big round of hiring for a few different people and um, it's funny because people put on the their portfolio something and you look at it you're like, okay, but what did you do? Like you obviously didn't do all this. Like you had a team. Like one of the things I've learned as a director of many over the years here the last while is is to realize that there's a lot of ways to solve a ux problem and i think coming to that place of humility to say you know what i've got great ideas but so do a lot of other people and they're different than mine and they'll still solve the problem and they'll still be elegant and they're completely different and i think you know one of the things that i i would impart in my first in this first podcast is to say you know what i'm passionate about is good design and Honestly, like it can look like a lot of things. It can look like, you know, I might say we could solve this by this, you know, flow XYZ with this button. And someone else is like, not that that's bad, but like their flow is, you know, LMNO and it's
0: got another flow, a complete line. Yeah, yeah good design is a fidelity, right? I mean, you could, you know, not everything is going to be this like full pixel perfect prototype. Sometimes, you know, I, and I miss the days of doing a lot more of the paper prototyping. You know, it's about the fidelity of the problem you're trying to solve. And mm-hmm. which I kind of hear you trying to get to is, you know, yeah, I've got an idea about how something will work, but you know, when I actually, you know, especially you and I have been in the B2B space for quite some time, actually hearing from the person who's using that software and understanding what they're doing is so much more impactful than where I even think that button should go. Exactly, that doesn't even matter. Yeah, because they're thinking like, I think one of the things that stood out you know, from the Workiva days was the amount of time we would save accountants and financial reporting teams so that they could go home and spend time with their family. Yeah. That wasn't something we designed explicitly, that was something that the design allowed them to inherit as a benefit of the output. And I think the fidelity of that is, is not to be you know disqualified. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I still have a designer who actually uses paper and pen. I love it. I love it. He takes pictures. He throws it all in the Figma, but like he takes pictures and like cuts and pastes his pictures on top of each other for this this these early prototypes. And I just think, oh,
0: I love seeing that level of fidelity. And how much faster is that person able to generate design that is actually we can either you know, chew and spit it out, or we can put it up on the wall and say, yeah, let's go another round on this. And oh, it's so big. It. You,
1: you know what I also love about it is if you, sh- anybody you show that to, they look at it and go, "It's drawing paper, yeah. pen on like, paper. Like He's obviously not mocking this up high fidelity. He's not, you know, y- you know that he's not like bought into this design
0: yet. And I think it's important to communicate that stuff. In this process. Which they, they shouldn't be. Like we we should be bought into the design because maybe we don't even know what we're doing yeah. or, or who for or what it is they're actually doing in the scope of their flow of a normal day. Yeah, um, and I think that's an exciting part of the B two B space. Is most of the software I've designed over the last decade plus is not software I've ever owned a license to. Yeah, you know I'm not working for Adobe. Like if I'm the Adobe Illustrator product designer, I probably have some pretty strong opinions. Yeah, if I'm building financial reporting software, my opinions are going to be often irrelevant outside of heuristic, you know, feedback, so.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, when we're thinking about what we're passionate about, you know, that's really our topic for this, this first session here, what we're passionate about with this field. I think, you know, one of the things that really gets me fired up is, and, and, and everything that I've learned about how to be a good designer revolves around this idea of, of just good design, as you're saying. And a lot of that is this humility. I think good designers have to be humble about their design. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've come to a developer with a design and they go, but why wouldn't we just do this? And I go, oh yeah, let's do your idea. <laughs> it's better. And to be humble and go, yeah, we want the best design. I don't care who came up with it. And to to be able to then say, you know, uh, even our users can come up with better design. I mean, in some ways they are the best designers at all. I mean, I mean, we always had the saying at Rekiba, we're doctors, not waiters. You know, we right. we don't do we don't take orders to design exactly X Y Z, but we find out what the problem is and and
0: and solve for it. But yeah, diagnose and then prescribe something that will help try and fix it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, well on. Yeah,
1: but I but I do feel like that's you know, to me, when I think of what I'm passionate about, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, is is just really seeing something come together that just it. I don't even care how complicated it is. I mean, some of the problems that you and I have solved are just over the top complicated. And to come up with something that's so simple and elegant that anybody can just go click, click, click and figure it out. Right. Limit that barrier. I just love it. I love I get so pleased with, you know, at the end of the day when I can see that stuff come. I don't know. What what gets you driving, you know, with this world?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, having people, you know, go to work and have as pleasurable of an experience using software as they might have with a consumer device, whether it's a Sonos device, an Apple device, or, you know, their ring doorbell, I mean, being able to get their job done faster so that they can focus on other problems. You know, I think we're in a time where in 2023 that you you can automate processes, you know, faster than you could before and and not just like if this and that or, or zapier or something like that but you know really helping automate through intelligent syncing or data inferencing or some of these other things we could geek out on um is is a big deal because you know certainly we're we're quickly approaching a generation you know right now very easily you know post 911 world where everyone is just being raised with this technology around them all the time That's right? I mean, you know, my young but growing family is, you know, much smarter at this stuff than I was at their age. And, and I think they have a lot of really insightful ideas of like, well, why wouldn't you do this? Or why wouldn't you do that? Um, I think that passion is there. And, and, I, and I, and to answer the question, I think the passion ultimately comes from the fact that design is never complete, right? So you said, uh, you know, what makes a good designer versus a great designer. I would say we're both good designers and sometimes we're great designers sometimes we miss the mark but the point is is that designer is a present tense word meaning that it never ends like we we will be designers and sometimes we'll design teams of people and sometimes we'll design products and sometimes we'll design websites um to help you know different businesses and customers achieve their goals but at the end of the day it's it's always ongoing and it's never complete and i think that's really where the passion comes from versus a, another role where you might say i did x the result was y and i may move on to the next generation of it but you know that is forever cemented um mm-hmm. technology and especially screen-based technology experiences um are forever malleable when mm-hmm. they're always changing yeah yeah absolutely
1: There is there is an element for me too that I just love seeing what I've worked on come to fruition. I just love to see, and especially you know this is why I love enterprise software or software that has you know hundreds of thousands or millions of users because then you just go oh look at this you can look at the numbers and go Mm -hmm. wow right like the old Measure Learn this is this is incredible like we did this one thing and boom like look at look at the difference we just made in people's lives and um i mean that just fires me up i mean i feel like i do that across the board you know i'm you and i both do a lot of work in the nonprofit sector and helping helping out others you know I'm, i've been working on another software suite on the side for our montana water system and you know i don't it's not like i'm i'm um i'm not doing this because of i'm making a bunch of money i'm doing this because mm-hmm, i can I care about stuff like this and, you know, I think, I think using, using these skills can positively impact the world in, in the profitable sector, as well as the nonprofit sector, you know, and, and, and even in the design of everyday things around us, like, you know, and how we set up our homes and how we, you know, design all of that, all of that is UX, it's all user experience. And so, you know, I just get, I just get fired up about,
0: about that. I just feel like. Maybe it's a feng shui bug i don't know is it <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's all solving design problems yeah. and they're all these are all problems and sometimes they're people problems sometimes they're technology bones sometimes they're societal problems so yeah, and i do see a lot more of that too people being really passionate about particular causes and wanting to impact the world in, in their own way and i think that's great um mm-hmm. because It also doesn't, you know, sometimes design's a team sport and sometimes it's an individual sport. And, you know, what you're doing for the state of Montana and what I might be doing for other nonprofits, you know, are are both trying to achieve the same goal. We're trying to make it approachable. We're trying to solve particular problems that each one of our groups are are having. And we're we're trying to make it delightful. And, you know, ultimately that, that kind of, yeah, I think that dopamine hit of it worked, right? look at what's happening right yeah. now it's Yeah, actually isn't it is it, 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 its yeah. the aha moment so yeah it's, it's 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 really fulfilling Yeah, to see that stuff come to fruition yeah well what do you think like as we move forward and kind of wrap up episode one like you know thinking about the future and some of those things like what what do you think comes to mind and oh
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm really excited about about uh as far as
0: the future of what we're what we're gonna cover next and um I think. Yeah, just long term. I mean, this is episode one, so we're thinking yeah. long term. I mean, you know, I think eventually we're we're going to get our our act together when it comes to doing some Q and A stuff. Like, yeah, we would love for to sure. hear from people. You know, looking to break into the industry, mm-hmm. looking for people that maybe feel stuck in their career, like yep. you know, again yep. in this spot, how long should I stay in one particular title? Is, do you have any advice? Uh, I don't know how to get more clients. <laughs> how do I how do I woo more contracts at the goal line? Yeah. Um, but I think there's also a ton of topics that we can start to cover too. Yeah. I, that I think they're exciting. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm excited to start covering a lot of topics we've got. I wrote down a list and It ended up being like 40 or 50 thing. Was it wasn't <laughs> Now
0: yeah, I think product discovery topics. I mean, we've both been trained by, you know, the great Jeff Patton, um, been able to sit under him for quite some time and, uh, certainly, you know, would love to regurgitate and still many of his ideas and, and help other people learn. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think career development's important. I think um, for me, I think dealing relationally with either a great boss or a hard boss or a difficult situation or you know coming off a big win. I mean, I've certainly had projects where you know hit some home runs and then you come for the follow up or what we call the sophomore album, <laughs> and you know completely whiff it uh, and you know what that feels like.
1: Um, so I, yeah, there's, no, there's there's a ton to cover. And, you know, really my hope for this podcast is we start offering, you know, I mean, all these years of insight and work that we've been doing and to try to like give that give that to the world in a way that uh people will appreciate and uh Well, it's good. Yeah. Well thanks thanks guys for listening. Uh it's been fun and you know, we're just hanging out as a couple of you experts uh shooting the breeze. So yeah,
0: we'll shoot us some questions and we'll We'll also probably have some interviews at some point here, too. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hope you found this valuable. And as always, we love the feedback loop. So feel free to reach out. Uh, look in the description for ways to get a hold of us. And we look forward to hearing what you thought on episode number one.